and welcome to Behind the Glass Cabinet, a podcast where I, Ellie Armstrong, explore how science is constructed and displayed in museums. Each week, I'll be joined by a co-host for a conversation about a particular item you can go and see in a London museum. Together, we'll challenge, dissect and celebrate the stories the artefact could tell. This week, I've gone to join my guest co-host at his office in London. Hello, my name is Dan Bowe. I am a volunteer tour guide at the V&A, so I help look after the team, but I also uh, do the tours myself as well. So I take lots of people around, show them fantastic things in the collection that relate to LGBTQ plus histories that span across place, time and culture, which is super exciting. Excellent. And Dan, what have you brought for our audience today? I have brought, uh, because I miraculously somehow took it out of the museum, (laughs) it is a poster. Uh, and it's a, a long format poster. It's sort of a landscape poster that is at the very top. It is in blue writing. Um, Kissing doesn't kill, greed and indifference do. And that's what it's uh, it's uh, put into the collection as as well. So if you want to Google that and look at the uh, the V&A's fantastic search of the database collection, you'll be able to find it yourself. But if you can't, I'll quickly describe it to you. Which is it shows three couples kissing uh, and. I, what I particularly personally like about this, um, being a person of colour, is that they aren't all Caucasian as well. So you've got an interracial couple kissing. Um, but significantly, I think, especially at the time that it was made in 1989, you've got um, what looks like to be a male and a female couple, two males and two females. So uh, that would have been quite eye-catching, I mm. think, at the time. Definitely. And so... Uh our podcast is focusing on kind of science and the way that we display things that discuss scientific issues at the time. Um, what what does this tie to? What's why is this poster in the collection? It it ties to the AIDS crisis at the time, mm-hmm. and this was by an artist named Grand Fury, and it was designed to be put onto in, within bus shelters and onto the sides of buses as well. So it's supposed to roam through the cities that it was displayed in, and it was trying to address a, a belief at the time in that contact with people who had HIV AIDS, simple contact mm-hmm. was sufficient to transfer the disease, yeah. um, which of course we now know is not the case. Yeah. Um, but um, that's what a lot of people believed at the time. And this poster, it's, if you look at it, it's also interesting in the way that it's using very, um, I think, Corporate imagery. If you think of like a typical '90s United Colors of Benetton campaign, that's the sort of visual it's kind of going for. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to make you familiar with it at the same time that it it sort of uh, presents what would have been, I think, for a lot of people, a challenging idea. Yeah, because this uh, this is a poster that was displayed in public in the states. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. It went into uh, a few key states, um, San Francisco, Chicago, significantly Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and a few others. I can't remember all of them, but um, the reason why I say significantly Chicago is because the, at the very bottom of the poster, there's actually an additional strap line, which is, um, if we just carry on with the, the first statement, which is, kissing doesn't kill, greed and indifference do, it's, um, the tagline at the bottom indicates that it's actually to do with the fact that it's corporate greed government inaction and public indifference that makes AIDS a political crisis. Okay. And that strapline caused a little bit of a, uh, an issue with um, funding bodies that felt that they were paying for something that was 
in a way attacking them as well. Yeah. So uh, there was a, a request to have the strap line removed. Okay. Um, it was requested to be removed and it caused issue in Chicago because without that additional context, the misinterpretation was this is about just the right for gays and lesbians to kiss. And the Chicago Council put forward a bill to say we won't have this kind of imagery put up, you know, promoting homosexuality, um, which I, that's probably not the terminology they used. I just, I so rarely jump to that because that's Section 28 terminology, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, but that's, that's what the feeling was um, in, in, in the late 80s. Which is interesting because prior to this in the 60s and 70s, Chicago had been a big home of the LGBTQ community at the time in the kind of like industrial push west from uh, New York. It was a place where lots of people went and like discovered or discovered a community who were in inclusive to their identities. And I know there's been a lot of work like kind of recapturing that in exhibitions in Chicago. So it's interesting that what must be never nearly 20 years later, 10, 15, 20 years later, there's such a significant pushback that mm-hmm. has then kind of come full circle to the late like 2010s um, we're now seeing these exhibitions like trying to recapture that like LGBTQ plus heritage yeah I think it's also interesting as well that I think in Chicago they actually reused the posters in recent times as well okay uh, which is displays how far we've come but also <laughs> it shows how far we haven't come as well because I think st- the stigma of HIV AIDS is still quite strong it does remain to this day as well it's something that a lot of people um will will you know it's something that still needs to be addressed yeah. and i think there's been a recent campaign i can't even remember what the poster's called but it was all over london i'm too sexy for aids i think is the poster or i'm too sexy for hiv and it's in rainbow colors i haven't seen this one i have seen recent advertising on the tube with um like finger prick tests yeah. for hiv aids and this is something that like really interests me about this poster is because often when people approach hiv aids see it as a a medical discourse um, and something that is addressed in hospitals or in GP clinics or in sexual health gum clinics, wherever you might go. Um, But this poster and the posters that we're talking about now on the London Underground, they really pull this discourse back into being a sociocultural problem, a political problem that we can address um, and something that we can take ownership of. In the VNA, is there context explaining this kind of background, or how is it how is it presented as a poster that deals with a, a scientific but sociocultural phenomena? Oh, that's a <laughs> that's a question that's tricky at the moment because I can't remember what the label actually says. But I mean, what I think to carry on the thought of what happens when you take away that strap line is. It's, it, it, it is that unique thing where you do put these objects up for display and without their context mm-hmm. or with the passage of time, their impact, their, their potency can, can dilute. And this one is actually displayed just above. It's a little bit higher up. Um, what's below it is a, another poster that relates to... This one specifically has AIDS on it. And it's in red, blue, and green, and it's using the Robert Indiana style love from New York. If you've been to New York, you'll know the love icon with the tilted O. This has AIDS on it. It's the D that has a tilt on it. 
and so it's sort of being displayed just as a poster at the V&A, but it's actually was was actually wallpaper. So it was about the idea of bringing that into the domestic sphere as well. So these conversations are things that you should be having on an individual level as well. And I think that what you're yeah just hitting on there is that this is about a member of the public, a single member of the public looking at that, and then they've got to look at that and process that themselves and kind of work through what their thoughts are. Because I think you're right in terms of the way that other AIDS posters were working. What do you think was the first AIDS poster that you might have seen? Growing up. I mean, as like in the UK, not until very recently, I don't think I was really aware of them. No. Um, I mean, I came across them more clearly in yeah. like studying science technology studies. Until then, I maybe like just hadn't noticed them. Yeah. I mean, I grew up like in a in a conscious way after the nineties. Yeah. So I don't think that necessarily I saw as many posters that displayed this and discussed this in the ways that had happened in the eighties and nineties. So I'm going to um, betray my age a bit. I'm a little bit older, so I grew up in the 90s. And I, I remember as a young kid walking to a record store like with my dad or something like that. And on the wall, there was a poster that had uh, a male and female couple in bed. But behind her, sort of coming out from the bed sheets, was a, a scorpion sting. And that, when there was AIDS, you know, was somewhere in that poster. It was a black and white poster. See, I, this is a visual that I have, you know, as a very young child, that's what the association was. And mm. so it is really interesting that the two posters that we've got on display aren't the shock element. Yeah. And I know that one of the ones that was used in the UK was a tombstone of the word. It's, yeah, it's yeah. recently been on, dis- been on display at the Welcome Collection. Yeah, the actual, the actual, the actual tombstone. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is remarkable that, 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 that they have that. So, yeah, and I think that it's, it's really interesting because I think that exhibition it was about an exploration of how we use graphic imagery mm-hmm. with an emphasis on the word graphic, but also graphic design to convey these messages of health. And if you grew up in a period where um, it you didn't seem to, it didn't need to shock you, it just seemed to be part of the discourse. That's really interesting as well. Yeah, and I think maybe this this touches on something else about this idea of it being part of the sociocultural discourse. Is the two posters that you're talking about at the VNA have a very positive um, representation of HIV/AIDS and kind of by extension, especially in the case of the poster that we're talking about, particularly um, like LGBTQ relationships. Um, whereas this exhibition at the Welcome Collection, the, the tombstone is, is much more depressing. Um, I like, was wondering in the context of the gallery at the V&A, is it that it celebrates design and contemporary materials in a way that the tombstone might have been inappropriate? Do you think there's a reason like why the VNA have chosen these more uplifting discussions about AIDS? Yeah, so that's, that's, this actually will hit on something really interesting, which is um, the individual that brought them in. His name was Sean Cole, and he's now over at uh, London College of Fashion, uh, an expert in male underwear, as it happens. As you are. <laughs> um, best job in the world, perhaps. Um, so he brought them into the museum because he had them accessioned. He was tasked with sort of acquiring a set of posters, and I think we have just over 100 of them. What's really interesting is they were brought in, in about pre-mid-90s, so I think this one specifically is 93. Mm-hmm. 
And the context of that is that, not being from the UK personally, Section 28 was in play. And Section 28, which we referred to earlier, was thou shalt not promote homosexuality, effectively. And this is a government government decree? That's right, yes, yeah. Um, I shouldn't say it so flippantly, but it was something very serious. And it led to a lot of soul-searching across museums across the country because they were council-funded. There's a lot of museums that were council-funded that were directly affected by this bill, Section 28. So the question was, what can we do? What does the word promote mean? Where is the blurry line? Where is the black and white on that? How far can we push this? And I think that it was actually really brave and courageous to actually go out and say, we're going to a session, a set of, of objects that relate to something that is that crucially needs to be talked about mm-hmm. and needs to be to be remembered, needs to be collected and uh, needs to be needs to be a discussion that we'll have as well. So uh, Sean went out and uh, went through a process of, of collecting the objects and collecting posters. And I think when he made it to the US um, and was trying to tell uh, a particular designer uh, about the project, um, the designers went, okay, well, I think you need this more than I do, and took down a Keith Haring and said, take that back to the museum. That's now yours to, to bring into the collection. So I think there was an intent there was a, a positive intent because you've got uh, an intention coming from the community as well to, 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 to display what's going on in the community as well. So I think uh, there was a real amount of goodwill around bringing these into the museum. So that's interesting that there's, there is somewhere in storage or in the archives somewhere at the V&A, there are other posters. Yeah, in prints and drawings. So you can go by appointment to see them if you want to. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, like this strikes me as even more interesting that these are the two that are on display then, that like for some reason, these are the two that have kind of surfaced to be shown. I'm just thinking about the other things that are kind of um, typify what might be shown at the V&A. And I think I didn't realize that the AIDS slanted print that we talked about that you said is below the poster we're talking about specifically was originally designed to be a wallpaper. And that interests me a lot in the context of the V&A being a design museum. Because perhaps there's an argument to say one of the reasons that they show that rather than other posters is that it is a piece of interior design rather than specifically a promotional campaign about HIV AIDS. Yeah, Yeah, I think you're right on that. And I think it's more, yeah, because there are artists associated to this as well. And, you know, in particular, the the wallpaper one, you're you're directly referencing Robert Indiana, who... Mm -hmm prolific artist who um, eventually came out as a gay man as well and, and did make the joke to say that, you know, the angle that the O is on, and in our case, therefore, the D, mm. always reminded me of a thingy when it was erect. <laughs> it's ironic that it's the D in AIDS. <laughs> well, um, so I, I think that they do show, yeah, there's... Um, a, a true element of design behind this or the subversion of uh, commercial design behind this as well. So I think you're right, they do present very well. The, there is a gallery that um, they, uh, where we rotate uh, objects, mostly prints. There's the print gallery, I can't remember what it's called, I can't remember the number right now, I'm really bad at remembering the gallery numbers. 
Um, but it's not like you're going to go and go, I want this gallery number. Um, anyway, th- we rotate through posters and occasionally we do bring forward part of that collection back out to the public. So we did have uh, a GMFA poster come forward uh, where it was, you know, it was a boxer and it said, fight back. Uh, and Sorry, what's GMFA? Uh, GMFA is Gay Men Fighting AIDS. Okay. So it's a charitable organisation that, okay. uh, yeah. So we're rotating the posters and we bring up... Yeah, so that was recently on display, uh, which yeah means that if you can't go for an appointment to, to see the posters, at some point they will get a circulation as well. Okay. What I'd love to see... <laughs> uh, what I would love to see is a redisplay of all of them as a collection mm-hmm. because this December, uh, December 1, World AIDS Day, will be the 30th World AIDS Day uh, and that's a significant anniversary because I think a lot of people who lived through the first few years, it was a death sentence, that was it. You, if you contracted HIV or subsequently AIDS, the likelihood of survival was very low before we had antiretroviral drugs. Um, and the right cocktails and the right research and the right support, the supporting mechanism around people is a really important aspect to talk about as well uh, in terms of uh, the way healthcare was provided because you've got awful stories of people just being consigned to a, a bed and then the door locked up, completely sealed. You might have food passed through the door. People didn't want to engage, want to touch, you know, back to that idea of kissing doesn't kill. Yeah. You know, people, doctors, nurses weren't wanting to touch people who've had it. And I think that there are people who have now lived with HIV AIDS for so long because it's not a death sentence anymore. There is treatment available that will make it possible to live a normal everyday life. I shouldn't even use the word normal. You know, just that should just be to live like everyone else. And yeah, the fact that it's 30 years since the first one, I think is, is really significant. Then perhaps these posters are like doing a second piece of work really in the gallery space as well which is like you were saying not just talking about this as and I know I mentioned that it's a socio-cultural issue but not even just that it's about acceptance but also about these support networks and mechanisms for um, ensuring that the community stay together um, and that as a result when we think about historicizing this crisis Perhaps there's an element of wanting to show a community that comes together and, you know, echoes that idea of love um, in the in the wallpaper design and is showing an inclusive representation of people kissing rather than having something that is single figures or isolating or uh, scaring because it's important that that community of support exists. And perhaps there's a second layer of work there that these posters are doing in an, in an engendering in a visitor who comes to the museum the idea that that inclusive support is important mm. Mm. I, I really love that you've just kind of really drawn a very clear line between the love and the AIDS I, I now only see them overlaid <laughs> I, I, up until the point where you just said that I've, I've seen those as two separate images but now in my head they're completely overlaid it's like love and AIDS is, is held bound together as one now which is really interesting 
an interesting effect which I've never thought through. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. That's yeah, remarkable. and I guess there's a and well, I was thinking about that. I, I know that we originally were talking about the other poster, but now we're spending some more time thinking about this wallpaper and thinking about it as a repeating unit as well. And although when we think about spelling out love, it would be L O on the top line and V E on the bottom line. Mm. If you were to repeat that print one above the other, it's not going to look so indistinguishable from having the D S as being like you just move the square so that it fits the D being in the O position. So even more than just having the one image in the V&A gallery, if you think about that as a repeating unit, it mm. becomes even closer to yeah. that original image, I think. So that's really interesting to me that this is, this is additional work that's being done there yeah. um, in the gallery setting. So yeah, so fascinating to think about why this has been a session to the collection, as you were talking about. Yeah. And what kind of what kind of perspective it's bringing to its visitors? Yeah. In conversation with the rest of the museum, there's not a lot of stuff that deals with kind of scientific issues. So this must be one of a few pieces that kind of really explicitly deals with something that we think about as being a scientific problem. Potentially, I mean, I think there is a in great design. There's always engineering difficulties that need to be overcome. Mm -hmm. So. It, like a lot of LGBTQ plus history as well, uh, is hidden behind the object. It's, it's not explicit. So certainly this is definitely one that explicitly puts it forward as well mm -hmm. um, for its queer content, but also for its scientific content, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so actually that phrase that you just used, like behind the object, is quite interesting. And like mm. the idea of a hidden history of the, not only the engineering problems that aren't seen and all you get is the solution this is also tacitly hiding the problem it doesn't it doesn't show images of you know we might think about the barbican's exhibition recently that had pictures of particular cultures subcultures in america in the like 1950s 1960s where the the culture itself is made explicit and the problem itself or the the, the trouble that is being experienced by that community is made explicit and like these engineering solutions that the VNA has. It's just the final product. It's just the, the bit that like kind of tells the world about mm. the solution for the problem rather mm. than the problem itself. Do you think that there's a there's a element of displaying design that means showing the problem is difficult? I think that it's certainly something that could be explored in an exhibition mm. where you can pick apart something a lot more clearly. And I think the VNA does do lots of exhibitions where the ability to see behind the object is certainly there. Uh, so if we were to carry on with that idea of let's do our imaginary <laughs> exhibition about these posters, let's have these posters rehung, yeah. and let's have everyone start off by walking through a tunnel of love, mm -hmm. which then sort of, because now you can do it with um, computer imagery, you can have the, the, the word love merge into AIDS and back into love as they walk through. <laughs> so bear with us here. Um, I think, Critical dreaming. Yes. <laughs> I think if you if you were to go into go back into the past and bring these posters forward, we will have to look at the scientific advancements or the medical advancements that we've had between when they were first accessioned through to now to get to where we are now, where I think, as we're saying, AIDS, HIV is not a death sentence anymore. And we've also, in very recent times, uh, also had the addition of new arsenal into the uh, what you can use to, to combat HIV AIDS which is PrEP so 
you know, a relatively new pill uh, that, you know, people can now take to, I suppose, proactively protect themselves against HIV AIDS or reduce the spread of HIV AIDS. So this talk of PrEP just reminds me of another aspect of this poster that I wanted to bring to the mm. fore, which is that when we talk about HIV, AIDS, especially in general discourse, there's an understanding in a zeitgeisty way that this is a problem that affects the male gay community far more than it affects any other part of the LGBTQ community. And one thing that I was wondering if you had some thoughts on is the poster that you've brought doesn't just have men kissing men, it has women kissing women and it has women kissing men. Yeah. And what do you think the significance of that is? I think not only that, but um, we've got different racial people. And that, I think, is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> while humans will practice homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, we will discriminate. HIV AIDS does not discriminate. Um, we had some students from the Royal Academy of Music come along on an LGBTQ tour at the VNA as they were doing research for Elegies, which was a play that they were researching. And as a thank you at the end, they did an impromptu pop-up performance of it. And each of the students took on a different role. And each of the roles was a different person from all different backgrounds, uh, levels of class. And uh, it's an American-based play, so that it's it was set in America with very American different ways of thinking of society, but it was across all of society. And that has always been, it's, you know, it, it's a leveler. It, it equalizes everybody because you have to recognize that it will affect all communities, all peoples, regardless of anything. At the same time, it does affect more um, communities than others. So I know that uh, the black community or the BAME community um, are usually at higher risk. Also, the gay community is also at higher risk as well. So those are, I think, because they're represented in this poster as well. I think that's that's a it's a quite a good reminder of that. Yeah. Yeah, and and it like in terms of where these couples are positioned, just to dig into this visual imagery a little bit more, the couple in the middle is the man kissing a man. Um, but interestingly, as a society that read left to right, the first couple your eye encounters is the heteronormative man-woman coupling. So whilst the central kind of uh, picture image of this poster is these two, uh, the, the more like commonplace association with HIV AIDS of the man and the other man kissing each other, the fact that you have to read the line above and read the line below encourages you to read the images left to right as well. It repositions this as a problem of heteronormativity um, and subverts this this idea of it being uh, both both subverts this idea of it being something that is part of the LGBTQ community, but also like seeks to reassert the heteronormative dominance that comes across in so much cultural media. Mm. So it's weird that that also that both that tension is like it pushes it to for you to critique that it's just affecting a particular group of the LGBTQ community but also in doing so is kind of pulling it back towards like the kind of classical discourse that we have about illness and family and relationships um, and that the women are on the two women kissing each other on the end is also interesting like an interesting footnote about 
the position of the like lesbian community, especially in the 1980s, 1990s um, in America. So it's interesting about that sequence and the way it reads across. You're very good at visual analysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, thinking about not only what this is telling to a visitor, but how it's communicating that I think we like we've talked about there are other posters in this collection mm. they've chosen this for a reason mm. and what that says about how comfortable a visitor to mm. the V&A might feel I mean mm. I'm going to make a sweeping generalization about visitors to the V&A but I'm going to assume uh, a, a lot of them are uh, heterosexual most of them are maybe older um Oldish. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll take that back. Dan's looking at me for you. Dan's looking at me in a way to suggest that that's not true. I, but I, I'm, I'm just saying that, they, like, in selecting a poster, uh, this one might be more comfortable for people to read uh, than something that maybe pushes or retains uh, an, a more LGBTQ vibe to the the AIDS HIV AIDS crisis by including this heterosexual couple. It makes it more accessible to the visitor. The imagined visitor mm. of the V&A gallery. Okay, that's interesting because I, I I haven't considered that. What I have considered as we were talking is just that idea that if it's on the side of a bus, the way that the bus moves across you as well, it kind of yeah. yeah it, it, I hadn't thought about the movement of the bus. That's interesting. <laughs> so I think yeah, it, it also kind of dominantly does do that display exactly the order that you've, mm. you've 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 said. So the way that that came together would would be the case. I mean, Grand Fury wasn't a singular artist, was a, was a collective. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to look at. Other pieces. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and assess it on that level, if, if that's how we want to look at it. The way that it's displayed at the V&A, so we're talking about the idea of this is potentially still a challenging topic and this is potentially challenging imagery. Has it been diluted, or is the is the specific choice of this one trying to minimise the impact? Is that the question? Maybe not minimise, but just give people who don't identify with the LGBTQ community a way into this image I see. that okay. they might not have yeah. with a with a picture that solely dwells on. Yeah. So you'll think of it in terms of accessibility now, and in here, of... yeah, it's like they chose this because it would be more acceptable. Or there's a weight, there's an in, there's an in for people who aren't part of the LGBTQ community mm. in that image. In the same way, selecting the one that references love yeah. also gives people another thing to pin that image to that isn't just the HIV age crisis. Yeah. And it gives them a way into something that they might not have personal experience with. That is a very interesting reflection. And if we were to go back to our imagined exhibition, mm -hmm. yeah, how would you display the full set? Would you start to group them into into areas like that where these are the you know these are the accessible ones these are the ones that are a little a little bit trickier or this this lot of posters was specifically aimed at a particular audience because mm -hmm. these ones were supposed to go into nightclubs for example or this one was supposed to go into public areas mm. so yeah yeah perhaps there's an element of thinking about a challenge that faces a design museum like the V&A more generally is that by taking these posters out of the context that they were meant to be in, the mm. domestic sphere, the bus, the, the nightclub, um, one loses some of the relevancy to the space that it was designed for. And in doing so, loses some of maybe the, the original tangible essence of 
the shock or the impact or just the the kind of domesticity and comfort of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's 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 the issue with anything that goes on display in, in any museum, yeah. any object. I mean, yeah, the collection of material culture is just that is the floor of, of what it is. I think it's great that they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, they are literally a doorway away from the rapid response collecting mm-hmm. section of the museum which are the new objects that are being acquired in real time that relate to things of political importance right now. And I, in my head, do relate them. Like there is, I think there's a direct lineage between what Sean was trying to do in uh, in the early 90s through to what the current team are doing in terms of collecting material cultures that relate to, to political subjects now. Yeah, because they've recently had the flag from the refugee nation Absolutely. at the yep. Olympics. Yeah, so they pick up these politically motivated and politically charged problems. Yeah, and design ephemera that come along with them. Yeah, I was wondering, has there been anything about any of the packaging or anything like that from prep? No, I don't think so. And my answer is going to be relating to <laughs> what package are we talking about? Yeah. Because. Um, part of the reason why PrEP is available in England at the moment is because it's being distributed as part of a trial by the NHS and the cost Mm -hmm. of PrEP Mm -hmm. prep proper is very high so they've got a supplier that provides a different type of PrEP it still works exactly like and they they assiduously test it as well. Every single batch they get, they will test to make sure that it is going to do the exact same thing as prep proper. But yeah, I'm not sure of the exact details, but there is complications on making it completely free in England. It's already free in Scotland. Yeah. There's a trial in Wales as well and a trial in Northern Ireland as well. That's that's going to be, if we're going to, to, to collect anything, I would like to accession prep proper next to prep generic mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and see the difference. Can Visually, they're it's a blue pill. Yeah. But so. I mean, they must come, like, presumably, what with branding, they come in different packets. Yeah. I mean, I think this is interesting um, in reflecting on where those objects live because thinking about other things that have been medical advances that may shape other communities, if we think about things like the pill, there's very little collecting of early examples of things like the pill, either in a design sense, understanding like what kind of things this might look like in the V&A collection and there's also a little collection collecting of this in the science museum from a scientific perspective. I mean I'm also fascinated by the designs of things like pregnancy tests and how they change over time but that's not necessarily something we get to see so much and I wonder if this is something that they might be picking up in response to kind of a a push or a, a, a not a push is the wrong word but like a a move to working with LGBTQ projects like your tours if they might be interested in taking something like this on? I think, I think part of what the, the criteria for the group, and I'm not part of the group, um, they are curators. Yeah. Uh, they, they it, it must hit a critical political mass. Yeah. And that's part of the problem at the moment. It hasn't hit a critical political mass. Part of the problem in society, not in the museum. It's, if it was a critical political problem, we would have free prep in England, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. We don't, and that's because there's not enough momentum to to argue for it. Mm-hmm. I think as well. Well, there's also the probability that there aren't, due to systemic problems of 
devaluing particular groups in society. There just aren't, there isn't the representation at the level that would see it being a political issue, uh, which I think is, you know, interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, for an issue that we've established a little bit earlier, yeah, is intersectional at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, while we're on the topic then, really, it's just that there is prep available. Um, if you are listening in England, pop on down to 5016 Street. If you're in London, sorry. Um, <laughs> if you're in Manchester, <laughs> maybe find, give a ring and see if you can find another trial somewhere near Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so many, uh, I mean, there's so many great sexual health clinics. This is one of the glories of being in this country. There's so many good sexual health clinics. And um, they're typically free, and they give brilliant advice. You can come in and see them. Get a sexual health checkup. If you are sexually active, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, if you're just sexually active, you should be getting regular sex health checkups. Uh, I need to say that PrEP will not protect you from things like chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, etc. So condom use is still uh, encouraged, even if you're on PrEP. But this is the thing. I mean... Sexual health knowledge is really important, mm-hmm. and it's something that I think you know we should we should have everywhere. <laughs> and the people who work for these sexual health clinics are non-judgmental; they're lovely people, and they will um, just give you the best advice and, if need be, the best treatment possible as well. And to take Foucault and use him in a manner that I'm sure he'd be thrilled with. Sexual health knowledge is power. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so Dan, um, if people wanted to know more about your work, your tours at the VNA, what could they do to find out about this? I suppose you can just go on the VNA website and just mm-hmm. chuck in the word LGBTQ. That's an acronym, not a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you do, you'll find that there's actually a forward slash LGBTQ, I think, uh, is the actual domain. If you go there, you'll be able to find a fantastic booklet that gives you 20 objects across the collection, across galleries of queer significance and you'll also find our interesting research and blogs that we've collected over the almost a decade that we've been doing all of this work at the museum as well so fantastic and what about yourself if people want to find you <laughs> if people want to find me it's at Dan Nouveau like the French art it's Dan Nouveau um, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter because I'm so cool and hip and trendy and I've got all of them Yay. so um, you can find me there because uh, not only are we doing tours at the V&A we're also doing tours in Cambridge as well very soon aren't we Ali indeed we're doing them at the University of Cambridge Museum as Dan had mentioned previously which is very exciting and Dan um, yeah is there anything else you would like to plug or anything no I think this is uh, this has been lovely so thank you very much it's been a delight to talk to you today thank you so much for bringing your poster from the VNA to talk about uh, a scientific issue in a very cultural context it's been fantastic thank you thank you that's it for this episode of Behind the Glass Cabinet. Thanks to Nicolette Chin, my editor and producer. Thanks to Sam Lee, the composer for the track of this podcast. And thank you to the University College of London Department for Culture and the Department for Science and Technology Studies, without whom this podcast would not have been possible. I've been Ellie Armstrong. You can find me online at, at Ellie the Element. Thanks for listening.